at Passover, the Bible says that a spotless lamb was to be slain and his blood was to be applied. This is a picture of Calvary. Christ is, the Bible says, the Passover sacrifice for us, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Now, the interesting thing is you look back 2,000 years, every year, every Passover at the exact same time, the ninth, the ninth hour of the day, they bring a lamb and they choose that lamb to be sacrificed. Oh, excuse me, the third hour of the day, which is about 9 o'clock in the morning, they choose that lamb to be sacrificed. At the ninth hour of the day, they sacrifice that lamb. 2,000 years ago, at the third hour of the day, Jesus was chosen to be sacrificed. He was led to a mountain called Golgotha, and 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he was hung on that cross and crucified, just like the Passover lamb from the very beginning of time. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Every time I do an End Times event, I always have lots of panels on the screen of newspaper articles and, and things like that. This is so involved, I, I, I don't want to take the time on that. Next week, I will give you a handout of a lot of the different things that are happening in the world, but I will talk about a lot of them today, but I'm not going to defer to the screen for that purpose, only to get as much of this information in your hands as possible. This year, I'm talking about the blood moons. I'm talking about the solar eclipse that fell on the very first day of the Jewish New Year. Nisan started the entire aspect of this year. The blood moons began last year in the month of March Next Friday, we will witness the third of these supernatural events. And I call them supernatural because, once again, the odds are astronomically against them even happening. For the, blood, for the moon to even turn the red color is something that science, even today, they know how it happens, but they don't know fully why it happens. This year brings amazing signs in the skies and the scriptures, blood moons, solar eclipses, Jewish festivals, and something to encapsulate it all, a Sabbath year that aligns in a startling way that we have to have eyes to hear, or see and ears to hear. Daniel chapter 12, God showed Daniel many, many things that have just in the last hundred 
150 years came to light. As the angel was giving Daniel this great understanding of what was going on, he said, Go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret, and underline this in your notes, please, and sealed until the end of time. Now, literally is talking about the end of time, but it's not talking about the end of time for God because God does not work in time. God works in eternity. Time works around you and I. And time will essentially end after the millennium, after the enemy, the Bible says, is loose for a season, then time will go away. But for you and I, time will change after a, an event called the rapture. So when it says the end, in the original Hebrew, in the original language back then, it's talking about two things. It's the end of the Gentile age, the end of the age, the end of the redemption of mankind. God has a beginning. God has an end. How many are with me today? Genesis chapter 14 the Bible says, let there be lights in the vault of the sky, the New International Version, to separate the day and the night, let them serve as signs. And look what it says in the New International, it says to mark sacred times. I want to read out of the Jubilee translation. There are a few different translations that use these words, but I like the way this translation read. It said, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day and night. We know we're talking about the sun and the moon and the stars. And let them be for signs. Take a little note and put next to that word signs the word signals. Because in the original language, it is better translated, let them be for signals of what? What is God signaling? The next line says it. His appointed times. Look at me for a second. Nothing happens in God's kingdom by accident. Nothing happens on this earth by accident. None of the things that are going on in today's world are happen chance. Are you with me today? Very familiar passage of scripture, Joel chapter 2. I will cause wonders in the heaven and the earth. We sang songs today about the wonders of God. We sang, sang songs today about the awesomeness of God. We sing songs today about boasting in what God has done in this earth and of the fact that we long for His presence because the only thing that truly remains is the love that gets us from here to then. I will cause wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire, columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red. And I want you to underline this word, before. Before that great and terrible day arrives. What great and terrible day is he talking about? Tribulation period. It's called the dreadful day. It's called the terrible day. It's called the tribulation period. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. It's called many different things in Scripture. But before that day, God said the sun will become dark and the moon will be turned to blood. People say, well, pastor, that's happened 
many times over the centuries. Yes, it has. What makes this time different? We're about to learn. But everyone, underline that, please. Everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord. He didn't say those that I chose to get saved. It said everyone that calls on me will be saved. Now he goes into latter-day Jerusalem. Some on Mount Zion and Jerusalem will escape. Just as the Lord said, there will be a remnant or among the survivors whom the Lord has called. At the time of those events, says the Lord, when I restore prosperity to Judah and Jerusalem, we're talking about during the tribulation period, during the time where God is now dealing with the people of Israel as the Lord had planned. As you have been in this church for, for these last few years and you've heard me teach on the end times, the tribulation has nothing to do with the church. Matter of fact, the church won't even be here. The whole purpose of the tribulation. I say that because a lot of people are fearful, say, Pastor, how am I going to make it? How am I going to make it? What you're going to do is get out of here. You're going to dedicate yourself to Christ. You're going to live for God today. Pastor, how do I know that I'm living for God? Because you're looking for Him. Well, how do I know if I'm not going to make it? You're not looking for Him. If you're looking for Him, it means you're living for Him. You say, well, Pastor, how does that mean that? Before you go down that dark alley that you used to frequent, you will say, okay, Jesus, you don't want me to go down that alley because I'm looking for you. I guess I'm not. You're making righteous decisions. Are you with me today? I will restore the prosperity of Judah and Jerusalem. And then listen what he says. I will gather the armies of the world into the valley of Jehoshaphat. The valley of God's judgment is what Jehoshaphat means. And I will judge them. I don't know if I underlined this in your notes. I didn't mind because I wanted to emphasize it. I'm going to judge them. You know why God's going to judge them? Because they harmed his people. Look at me, folks. It is not an option to support Israel. They're God's people. Well, you know, that's a different... Di no, it's not an option. Matter of fact, if you go into Genesis 12, he said, I will bless those that bless them, and I will curse those that curse them. My special possession. And he said, you know what they did? They scattered my people among the nations, and they divided my land. Folks... I want to turn your eyes away from the notes really quick. I want you to look at me. America is in a very scary place right now. For the first time in America's history, it is preparing, if it hasn't already, to divorce itself from Israel. I want to take you to Joel Osteen's blog. I wrote this down. The American president or Congress or a people in America to turn against Israel and the Jewish people would be far more bad policy, would be far more than bad policy or unfortunate politics. According to Bible prophecy, such moves would cause existential threat to the future of the United States of America. In Genesis 12, it says, I will bless those that bless my people. I will curse those that curse them. In Joel chapter, chapter 3, we just read it. All nations who divide my land, God said, will enter into judgment before me. 
in Ezekiel 38 and 39, he said, I will gather Russia. I will gather uh, Iran. I will gather Turkey. You say, well, pastor, where are those names in the Bible? Gog and Magog and Persia and Tubal and Meshach. I could name them all. God said, I'm going to bring them all together for the purpose of attacking my people, Israel, in the last days, for the purpose of bringing Israel to their knees so before God they can get on their feet. What's more, in Revelation 16, Joel uh, Rosenberg goes on to say, the Lord God warns that all nations, and not, that, not simply abandon Israel, but they will eventually take an active turn of violence against Israel. God said, I will destroy them. America, we need to pray for. We need to pray. What is the significance of the appointed times? He said, I will set the moon and the stars, I will set the sun and the sky for the sole purpose of being signals for my appointed times, the things that I am doing and going to do on the earth. Seasons, religious festivals, events happening to and with mankind. God designed the Jewish year's seven special festivals around his prophetic calendar. Understand, we operate on the Julian calendar. Julius Caesar was the one who initiated the calendar that we live on. Uh, Pope Gregory uh, augmented it. That's why we call it the Gregorian calendar today. God doesn't operate on our calendar because our calendar is operated simply by the sun. We have the Mayan calendar. We have, uh, we have the, uh, the uh, Muslim calendar. We have different calendars, and many other calendars are operated solely by the moon. Well, God operates his calendar by the sun and the moon, and he said the sun and the moon will do as I instruct. And he set it all together for that purpose, and he set it together by showing us his annual feast, his festival days. Every single year, they fall the same. Every single year, they are finished the same. Every single year, there is no question when Passover is going to be or when the fall feasts are going to be. They all come together announcing the promises of God. The Passover, the first part, is about spring, the promising of new life and harvest. Let me give you a picture of what Jesus did the first time he was here. At Passover... The Bible says that a spotless lamb was to be slain and his blood was to be applied. This is a picture of Calvary. Christ is, the Bible says, the Passover sacrifice for us, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Now, the interesting thing is you look back 2,000 years, every year, every Passover at the exact same time, the ninth, the ninth hour of the day, they bring a lamb, and they choose that lamb to be sacrificed. Oh, excuse me, the third hour of the day, which is about 9 o'clock in the morning, they choose that lamb to be sacrificed. At the ninth hour of the day, they sacrifice that lamb. Mm, 2,000 years ago, at the third hour of the day, Jesus was chosen to be sacrificed. He was led to a mountain called Golgotha, and 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he was hung on that cross and crucified just like the Passover lamb from the very beginning of time. See, God, not only does he have these signals or these days set in a specific 
day, he sets it to the hour. I might get a little excited today. The Jews celebrate the exodus. Christians celebrate the deliverance through the cross, through the precious blood of Christ, who redeemed us. The Jews celebrate the fact that they escaped. The Christians celebrate the fact that we're redeemed. The Feast of Unleavened Bread immediately follows the Passover. The observant Jews remove all the leaven from their household. Jesus, the spotless lamb without blemish, took the sins of the world. Just like the Jews of old took the leaven and they swept and they cleaned and they took it all out of the house and buried it. The Bible says that Jesus took our sins. He was the spotless lamb. All the sin was placed upon him and he was taken outside of the house and he was buried that you and I could be redeemed. Do you see the correlation of the appointed times? The sacrificed lamb, what Jesus became. And look at this in Romans 9.26, or Hebrews 9.26. At Calvary, Jesus forever removed our sins. Now once, underline this in your notes, please. In the end of the world, he has appeared to put away sin by sacrificing himself. Once, look at this. In the end of the world, remember here the scripture that says at the beginning, says before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrives, everyone called upon the name of the Lord shall be. Before the end, God said, I'm going to do these things. As leaven was removed, so has our record of sin. Jesus removed the penalty. Jesus removed the guilt. What you and I remove is the practice. What you and I remove is the practice. That's why the scripture tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that defiles the body and spirit and let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. Let me give you another example. The adulterous woman, Jesus didn't crucify her. Jesus didn't condemn her. What did Jesus tell her? Go and sin no more. In John 3, we love 16, for God so loved the world, but we forget 17 and 18. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but I come that the world through me might be saved. Let's focus on the blood moans. The Jewish festival 2014 and 15 was bounded by four blood moans. I told you a moment ago this happened seven times since Calvary. It didn't happen for years before. And the next set of blood moons are almost 600 years from this year. You think God might be telling us something. Seven times since Calvary. It didn't happen in the 1500s. It didn't happen in the 1600s. didn't happen in the 1700s. Happened... In the 18 and 1900s, Daniel says these words that as the time of the end approaches, everything is going to speed up.
This is the eighth set of blood moons. The eighth tetrad. Write a little note on your page. The number eight in the Bible is new beginnings. The seven is fulfillment. On the seventh day, God said it's done. It finished. The eighth day, he said everything's new. This is the eighth set of blood moons that have landed on God's holy days. Previous tetrads coincided with world events that affected Israel. I talked about these uh, six or eight months ago when I did the end time series. Actually, it was longer than that ago. It was, uh, it was uh, November of 2013 because we did it before the first blood moon arrived. And I talked about and I talked about how the, the tetrad happened in 1493 and 1494. The Jews were expelled from, from Spain. A new world was founded by a man by the name of Christopher Columbus with all of the money and the resources that were given to him. Why? To find a new home for the Jews. And guess what? From that point until now, it's been a safe haven. 49 and 50, the new birth of Israel. Four blood moons coincided with this supernatural event. In a day, in an hour, a nation is born, the Bible teaches us. In 1967 and 68, they had something called the Six-Day War. Israel fought the Arab nations. They had just become a nation. And a few years later, they're fighting a war for their very existence. They fought and they took over most of Egypt. They took over much of Jordan and much of Syria and gave it all back because they said, we don't want that. What we do want is Jerusalem. And in six days, listen to me, Six days they fought a nation that is back then was about a million, two million people coming against hundreds of millions of Muslims. How did that happen? They said, all we want is our capital, the city of David, Jerusalem. Listen to this. Supernaturally, six days they fought and won. And on the Sabbath day, they rested. Folks, something supernatural is happening. I'm going to do my very best to make this as simple as understanding. That's why I didn't want to do anything else. So let's go on. They got Jerusalem, and today they're fighting. Why the battle over Israel? Why the battle over Jerusalem? Why? From the beginning of time, God said, that's going to be my throne. And Satan has said, well, let's just see. The war's never, see, the, the war's never been a political war. It's never been about, about land and possessions. It's a spiritual war. Always has been until Jesus comes back, always will be. Am I making sense today? Okay. Never, it hasn't ever changed. So when you look at the politics and you look at things being politicized and you look at the poor, poor, pitiful this and the poor, poor, pitiful that, no, no, no. Realize there's a whole lot be back behind this. Satan is literally fighting God and said, who's going to be on the throne? Well, we already know because God casts him out once, one more time in eternity, God's going to chain him and bind him and throw him into the depths of hell for all eternity. Oh, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. What is the significance of the solar eclipse? 
and the blood moons today. I want to take you back to the Jewish Talmud. It's the, it's the interpretation and tradition of things that have happened over the course of years. And it has never faulted. It has never missed a place. And look what it says. When the moon is in eclipse, it is a bad omen for Israel. When the moon is just in eclipse. But listen to this. If it's a blood moon, it is a sign of God's judgment against Israel. Listen to me. Oh, the first time this happened at Calvary. The Bible says that God was a little upset at the Jews for crucifying his Savior, his Messiah. The blood moon showed up. Seventy years later, Jerusalem is no more. Israel is no more. They enter into 2,500 and something years of bondage, running around with no home. God's judgment when the red, moon's red against Israel against Israel's enemies. The solar eclipse, God's judgment is coming upon the nations of the world. If the solar eclipse is in the midst of the four blood moon cycle, it says something devastating is preparing to happen on earth. Let's go back to Joel. I will cause, the wonder, I will cause wonders in the heavens on earth. Do you realize there has never been so much Space activity, solar activity in all of recorded history as there is right now. Folks, you can go read NASA. You can go read any Google site you want. You can go out and look. There has never been so much stuff that is being recorded in the heavens and on the earth since the first blood moon. We have seen the explosion of a group called ISIS, the Islamic State. The president likes to call it ISIL, which means the Islamic State and Levant. The Levant is the section of land that Israel actually occupied after the Seven-Day War. Why? Because the place that Israel occupies is not actually the land that God gave. He gave them much more. That's all they took. So it's not... It's not an accident that the word ISIL is being used because that's what the battle's for. But it's ISIS that is doing the battle. Marches from Syria and Iraq. Right now they are in over a dozen countries basically maintaining because they've obtained power. It is said, and you can go study this, that ISIS is actually active in 49 of the 50 states of the United States right now. Their objective is to obliterate Israel. This little nation that's not, not even as big as, as New Jersey, their number one objective is to annihilate Hezbollah, Hamas, Al-Qaeda, have increased attacks, and Iran presses the gain of the nuclear bomb. Once that bomb is obtained by Iran, ladies and gentlemen, the entire world is destabilized. I think it's humorous. Two weeks ago, John Kerry, our Secretary of State, came back and said, we have reached negotiations, we're doing this and we're doing that, and, uh, you know, I, I believe a peace accord is right on the table. The next day comes out that the, the Grand Ayatollah, the Premier Ayatollah, is standing in front of a crowd of tens of thousands as they are all shouting, death to America, death to America. And a picture of their brand new 
interballistic missile that can hit the shores of America. All they need is a nuclear warhead. Folks, it's in the news. And you know what? After they destroy the little Satan, they're going to come after the big Satan, which is us. Actually, I think it'll happen in reverse. Why? Because if they attack Israel, Congress, at least, I believe, will rise up and say, uh-uh, ain't going to happen. Is somebody with me today? Egypt and Turkey, for the first time in decades, have turned against Israel. The Europe and the United Nations, I, I, I just, I laughed in the news just about four days ago. Like I said, folks, I, I'm not putting it on the screen just for sake of time. In the news just four days ago, the uh, 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 United Nations, out of all the nations of the world, said the number one abuser of women's rights is Israel. That's what they said. The world is turning. Why? In the book of Zechariah, chapter 12 and 14, the Bible says that Israel will be a stumbling block, will be a cup of trembling for the nations. They'll not know what to do. Everybody will be posed against it. Nuclear proliferation, threats, the peace talks of, of Iran, the long-range ballistics, financial chaos that we're going to talk about in just a moment is also part of God's appointed time and plan. Around the world, millions of animals unexplainedly are just dying. No reason for it. The extreme weather patterns, the excessive tornadoes, volcanoes, earthquakes, it just continues to grow. Deception, immorality, lawlessness, loss of family values. All these different things continue to ignite and explode. Apostasy. What is apostasy? When people in the church no longer want to do what God says, but want to do what they said. It's no longer about the passion of the cross. It's the preference of the idea. And the church. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and asked about a book for somebody that requested it on liberal Christianity. Folks, they're all over the place. And you know who the number one buyers of the book are? The church. Everybody is looking for a way around responsibility. When God says you better find a way straight to it, because on that day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. We will all give account before God. Am I making any sense today? We look at Luke chapter 21. And I have just described the world. Men's hearts are failing them for fear of what is coming on the earth. How many are sitting out there wondering what in the world is going on? All over the world. What in the world is going on? Israel is in the crosshairs. And I believe that we're very soon going to see a Mideast war like we've never experienced in our lifetime or in the history of mankind. Let's look back to Joel. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Israel has been in exile since 70 A.D. They have been living in, in a, a kind of a crucible of God's grace and protection that continues to define them and refine them as a people because God said a remnant 
they shall be saved. To achieve this, Israel is going to be hit by the worst time in human history. Jeremiah 30, verse 7, calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. I believe that one of two things are going to happen very shortly. We're going to either see the Isaiah 17 war or we're going to see the Psalm 83 war. The Isaiah 17 war is when Damascus is totally obliterated, and it will be. never. It's the oldest city nation in the world. Never has it been destroyed, but it's very close to be. And I believe that this happening will be the beginning. World War III, a Mideast confrontation like never before, I don't know. That or the Psalm 83 war, and we already see the coalition of the Arab nations that I talked about once again. If you want to go back to, to November of 2013, I talked about all these. I named the nations from what the Scripture says. Read the, the 83rd Psalm. It outlines it completely. And I, I read the whole thing out. I named the nations what they are called today and how God is going to use those nations and listen to me, they're going to come together. Is it an accident that Saudi Arabia just fell? Is it an accident that Yemen just fell? Is it an a- No, this is all stuff. Why? Because in those nations were hundreds of thousands of Jews. They have the biggest exodus of modern times out of the country of Yemen. 50,000 Jews overnight have moved back to Israel. I wonder if God is doing something. God is saying, I'm bringing all of my people back to the land that I gave. And then ultimately, a war we won't see is, the, is Ezekiel 38 and 39, the war of Armageddon. Let me bring it up to just a few weeks ago, a man by the name of Benjamin Netanyahu, against all odds, was just reelected prime minister of Israel. We need to rejoice in that because he is a man that knows war. He is a man that knows how to lead his people into protection and the grace. He is also a man that is using the word of God more than ever of any prime minister in modern time that we know of. But let me tell you something. The 121st Psalm says that our God watches over Israel and he never sleeps and never slumbers. Could the Lord be showing his signs, his signals, as a final warning before the end. This is going to get a little deep, so I'm going to ask you to ride with me because for me to explain what is happening in the world today, I've got to take you back in to the Scriptures, in to the Word of God, and in to the signals and appointed times that God has set. So I need you just to follow along. Jesus fulfilled when he was here the first time He fulfilled all of the spring feasts. He fulfilled Passover. He fulfilled the the Feast of First Fruits. He fulfilled the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He fulfilled the Feast of Pentecost. Okay, you say, Pastor, can you break it down very simply? Yes, he was sacrificed on Passover. He was the spotless lamb without blemish. He was the propitiation for your sins and mine. And he expiated our 
payment and judgment and penalty on a place called Calvary. He was the sacrifice lamb of the Passover. He became buried or he was buried on the feast of unleavened bread. He took our sins and was removed out of the house. Here is the fulfillment of that. He took that and nailed our sins to the cross. When he said those words, it is finished, it's not that he was just tired. He was just given up. No, he was making a declaration to all of heaven and all of hell it is done my dad's will is fulfilled it's finished he fulfilled the feast of unleavened bread he rose three days later guess what happens three days later the feast of first fruits and he became the first fruit of the redemption of all of mankind Mm. Because the Bible says it's the point on man wants to die. But after this, the judgment. In a moment, in a twinkling of the eye, 1 Corinthians says, we shall be changed. We shall not all taste death, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of the eye, death will be overcome. This mortal will put on immortality. This corruptible will put on incorruption. And we will look at death and say, oh, death, where is your strength? Oh, grave, where is your victory? He fulfilled the feast of first fruits and became the sacrifice lamb. And needless to say, 1,500 years before there was ever Pentecostal church, the Jews were the first Pentecostals. Do you realize they keep the Feast of Pentecost every single year? 50 days later, Jesus ascended. And he said, I'm going, but I'm sending the comforter. And he will give you wisdom and truth and power and authority. And you'll be able to stand against everything. I said you'll be able to stand against everything. I said you'll be able to stand against everything because my Holy Spirit's here with you. He became the fulfillment of the Feast of Pentecost. Mm. I'm going to take you into God's economic law. Everything God does is based around structure, based around order. Are you with me today? This is the law that God set before Israel and the world. And God says, it will be my way. I got into a couple books here a few years ago. Just recently, uh, over this last year, I, I read the second book. The first book was called The Harbinger. Have you ever read The Harbinger? Incredible book. Incredible how the Word of God just came alive in what happened in New York. Incredible that the word of God just came alive and what's gone on in the world and what went on in the original fall of Israel, Jerusalem, and how you got the comparisons between them and us. Another book that I read was called The Mystery of the Shemitah. For the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about the Shemitah. The Shemitah is a seventh Sabbath. It is a day of rest, restoration, healing. Most, and I'm going to go through this quickly, but I want you to listen. It's all in your notes. I left it purposely for you. Most of the biggest U.S. stock market corrections have landed on this seven-year cycle called the Shemitah. Let me break it down very simply. Every seventh day is called the Sabbath. Every seventh year is called the Shemitah. Every 
50th year or 49th year, seven years of 70 is called Jubilee. I'm preparing to blow your mind at the possibility of what could happen in 2015. The fall feast is what we're focused on. What did Jesus fulfill? The spring feast. Every major U.S. stock market correction or crash has happened in September or October. The fall feast begin in September every year. God said, I set appointed times, and you will follow my way or you'll have a rough highway. Are you okay? Are you with me today? In the fall feast, we start with the Feast of Trumpets, or we know it as Rosh Hashanah. Then is the Day of Atonement that we know better as Yom Kippur. Then we have Sukkot, which we know as the Feast of Tabernacles. These are all times of release and restoration. September 2015 of this year brings to the end the Sabbath year or the Shemitah. The last Sabbath year ended in 2008. How many remember what happened to the stock market in 2008? October, Black Friday. You go seven years before that, we had something called 9-11, September. The Shemitah means God's release, according to Deuteronomy 15. I want to build for a few moments on the seriousness of God's appointed times. The last single-day Dow drop was October 1st, 2008. Seven years prior, I already talked about, was September 1st, 2001. The stock market fell sharply because of the 9-11 attacks. And what else happened? The financial stronghold we knew as the World Trade Center. And America has never recovered her place in the world economically. How many are still feeling the weight of that? Almost all major financial collapses have happened in the Shemitah years. The crash of 29, 37, 38, 73, 80, 87, 2001, 2008. All major economies of the world. Do you know what the biggest thrust of all the world? They recognize their power. They tell the world the power they have because of the towers they build. That's why you think it's just by chance everybody wants a big tower. No, tower represents power. So every tower that raises the highest, that becomes a recognition. Something's happening in that nation. Guess what happens when that tower falls? Something about that nation falls with it. You see, it's not a physical thing, ladies and gentlemen. It's a spiritual thing that is happening in the world today. Shemitah years, 1917, the first financial crash in the United States of America. We remember it well. Some of us older folks remember our grandparents. World War II, the German, Russian, Hungarian, Ottoman empires all collapsed around 1917. It's interesting that these empires also rejected God. 1938, we remember something called World War II. Hitler and the Holocaust. 
1945, you know what happened? America decides to build the World Trade Center. Why? Because after they went and helped the Jews of Israel, after America stood up and helped to set free all the Jewish people, and they stood up in 1948 on that day, and the president said, Israel will be a nation. He stood against all of the different people, and they said, yes, they will, and yes, they were, and immediately, the fortunes of America, you can go back and read the news, it started to explode. America became the wealthiest place in the world after World War II. Why? They stood up for God's people. Oh, God, help us if we stand against God's people. 45, after World War II, they began to build the World Trade Center, finished it in 1966. They conquered World War II. They dropped a bomb on Hiroshima. Whether you like that or not, this is all part, folks, of the reality that God's in charge of this world, not the enemy. 1973, abortion legalized. 2001, Vietnam. Or excuse me, uh, 1973, Vietnam. 2001, 9-11. 2008, the Wall Street and Stark market. I can go on and on and on. God always requires what is called a Shemitah season for cleansing, for restoration, for redemption. The problem is, is America has shown no signs of repentance or turning back to God. This is the Shemitah year. Most Bible scholars that I have read, the end of the Shemitah is is September 13th. Just 10 days before the next blood moon. And most Bible scholars think there is something devastating going to happen in our financial system. It's not rocket science, folks. Read the newspaper. Say, Pastor, you're scaring us. No, I'm preparing you. Do I know what's going to happen? No, don't have a clue. Am I spouting dates and times? Not at all. I'm just telling you the Shemitah cycle. God said in the fall feast, I'm still taking care of business. as what is meant to be a blessing. The Shemitah is meant to be a blessing, a time of cleansing, restoring, without repentance or returning to God, now becomes a cursing when you remove God from our affairs. The Jewish New Year. Why do I say September 13th? That's the Jewish New Year. Just two weeks before the next blood moon of September 28th. Is all this coincidence... Is all of this an an incredible convergence of events made by the manipulation of man? Do you know what NASA says? In their 5,000-year picture, they're fortunate to have one blood moon in 18 months. But to have them fall as they have fallen since Calvary is not possible. But how many know what's impossible for man is possible with God? Think about it. Four blood moons, two consecutive years, falling upon Jewish holy days. The total solar eclipse in the midst, landing on the Jewish Shemitah. Seven years of release. 
See, last year, I believe, was just a dress rehearsal. This year, God says, I'm dealing with things. What happened in 2015? Once again, let me tell you, the seventh day God rested. The seventh year, God says, it's time for us to rest. The 49th year, God says, it's time for my restoration to a people that will return to me. The Shemitah ends September 13, 2015. The seventh since Israel regained Jerusalem, its capital. 49 years ago this year, Jerusalem became the capital of Israel. Seven Shemitahs. 2016 is the year of Jubilee. Pastor, what's that mean? That's when God wipes everything away. That's what the word Jubilee means. It's the year of redemption. He wipes all debts away. He wipes all of everything away. He tells the Jews, you have to forgive the debts of all of your neighbors and the foreigners living among you. Who's the neighbors? The other Jews. Who's the foreigners? The Gentiles. God's cleaning house, ladies and gentlemen. Are you guys okay? Can I have a little bit more time? Two people said yes. How many just said, I heard enough. Let's shut up and go home. Okay. 2016. Once again, I already showed you that the Six-Day War, people think that everything began at 1948 when Jerusalem was made, or when Israel was made a nation. No. It was completed in 1967 when Jerusalem became the capital. It has been seven Shemitahs since 1967. 50 years, 49 years, seven times seven, 49 years. 2016 is the Jubilee year where he heals, restores, renews, proclaims victory. Every Shemitah is usually the end that brings the greatest impact in God's plan to get people to repent and return to him. I have just listed year after year after year of Shemitahs where great devastation came on the earth. None of those years had the triad of the blood moons and the solar eclipse in the middle. This is the eighth tetrad since Calvary. Eight, once again, represents new beginning or a brand new start. Could it be the Lord is telling us I'm preparing to release all who have called on my name for a brand new beginning? 1917 was when the land of Israel was first partitioned off. 1917. World War I. It was not until 1948 that Israel regained its land. Regained. Israel's not the occupiers, folks. Israel's the livers. It's their land. 1948. But it was 1967, exactly one seven cycle of Shemitahs, that Jerusalem became capital. 
49 years, 1917, 1948, 50 years, Jubilee. And what a Jubilee it was. 1967 to 2015 is the next seven cycle of Shemitahs. 1917, the Belford Accord outlined Israel's land. 1967, Jerusalem won seven year or seven uh, seven cycle Shemitah. 19 or 2015. I got question marks. What's going to happen? Don't know. Mark 13 says in the same way, when you begin to see all these things taking place, you can know the return is near, even right at the door. I tell you the truth. Underline this in your notes, folks. This generation will not pass away. The generations of God revolve in the seven-year cycle of Shemitahs. Jubilee to Jubilee. Folks, I don't know. But this is the end since Jerusalem became capital. Could this be the generation? When you go back and read Daniel chapter 9, and it talks about the generation that sees the signing of the peace accord, the Word of God in the original language calls it the terminal generation. You thought we thought of that name, didn't you? The Word of God in the original language calls it the terminal, the generation that will see the return. This generation will not pass from the scene before all these things take place. 49 years since Jerusalem became became the capital. Is this the generation? Joel 2, we go back. I will cause wonders in the heaven and the earth, blood, fire, columns of smoke, before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrives, the sun will become black and the moon be turned to blood. Could it be that tabernacles of 2015 might be the end to the beginning? Could it be that God is showing the entire world with the solar eclipses in this tetrad? Remember, the solar eclipse affects the entire world. The lunar eclipse affects Israel. And he is about to fulfill the end of time. Could it be, as NASA says, it's going to be 600 years before the next tetrad of blood moons. It's going to be 600 years before this next type of event happens on this earth. Could it be that God is sending signals and saying, guys, gals, get your eyes where they need to be? Deuteronomy chapter 31. I talked about it earlier, but I read it to you. The Lord commands that these laws be read to all the people. And at the end of every Sabbath year, the year of release or the year of Shemitah, at the the festival of tabernacles, when all of Israel would assemble before the Lord at the sanctuary, call them together. Listen to this. This is not a priest reading. This is not a pastor reading. This is not a rabbi reading. Look at this in your notes. The Lord instructing. Call the men, the women, the children, and the foreigners living amongst you. Call them all together to hear what God's going to do 
out of reverence for the Lord your God and obey his laws. Do this so your little children who have not even known the laws will know them and learn to revere the Lord your God. Now understand, when they called the people together for the feast days, they only called the men. But the Lord said, call the men, the women, and the children, and even those that aren't a part of you that have been grafted in. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever, and we who are living and remain will be transformed. Feast of Tabernacles. You know what happens during the Feast of Tabernacles? 48 trumpet blasts. At the last trump, could it be, could it be, could it be? Let me give you just one more thing, and I'll stop. I've got a lot more up here, but I'm not. (laughs) Also interesting to note, it was the grace of God because this is all I put in your notes. I wanted to end right here. The blood moon that is coming up in September 28th, it is the very first time in all of human history it is a super moon. It is when the moon is in perigee. Most of the time we see the moon in apogee when the eclipses happen. The last blood moons that we have, the one that's coming up, the moon will be in apogee. It will be its furthest distance away from the earth. But when the moon is in perigee, we call it a blue moon. We call it a harvest moon. How many remember those great big moons? This is the first time in human history, recorded history, that it will be a supermoon blood moon. And you know where it will be resting? Right over top of Jerusalem. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.